Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is becoming more influential with my good friend, Ann Holm. How's it going, Ann? It's going great. I love this topic and you're the perfect person to talk about this. But before we do that, please introduce yourself and your company. Certainly. My company is cleverly called annholm.net. I'm an executive coach and have been doing this for a really long time, 13 years in executive coaching. Prior to that, I worked with brain injury for 25 years. So I've really been in the people development business for over three decades. So my focus is on always helping people be at their best, be their most effective, and also enjoy what they're doing as well. I love the logistics sector. You and I started working together and I fell in love with the sector, find it to be really, really an interesting place. And so I enjoy helping people be at their best in the logistics sector. So Anne's my executive coach and I I think I started working with her, I'm thinking almost 10 years ago. And she's just been really a great resource for me because first off, she's a brain scientist, which helps. I have a brain theoretically. And then we have that Myers-Briggs practitioner. We've all taken Myers-Briggs. We took it in high school, took it in college, probably took it at your job. I knew what I was. I'm an ENFP. I never really used that to my advantage. It was just kind of like I'd glance at it. Since Anne is such, well, I think she's a master practitioner in that. She's take a look and say, this is what you're going to excel at. Here's where your blind spots are. And that has been invaluable to me to have. There's other kind of coaches. There's people who have industry-specific knowledge. There's, you know, that I've been there, I've done that, so I can help you all good kinds. But I think it's great to have a coach who understands your personality type. You know, it's an interesting thing that self-awareness, if I may just go off on a quick tangent, self-awareness is so, so important. Harvard Business Review in 2018 did an article on how important self-awareness is for being at your top of your game, performing well, and feeling more engaged and all those other things. And so the vast majority of people think they're actually self-aware, but according to their research, only 12 to 15% actually are. So a lot of us have a lot of work to do as far as developing our self-awareness. And so I love being in this particular kind of conversation where we're building on that in a way that's going to have tangible benefits for the work that these individuals are doing. But it does start with being aware of a few things. And by the way, Ann and I are both in that self-aware and that 10% that really are self-aware. <laughs> Maybe you are. <laughs> For sure. I know my husband would argue I would be in the, the other 85%. What does he know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What does he know exactly? That's his job. The only thing he's good for is good taste in women. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's all it is, for sure. Anne's been on my podcast many times before. She's always a crowd favorite, but she's the one who actually came up with the name The Logistics of Logistics. When I was still working at a 3PL and suggested start blogging, and I did, she goes, just name it the logistics of logistics. I was like, no, oh, that's a good placeholder for now, but I'll find something better. <laughs> and then everyone I said it to go, oh, I'm just this placeholder. I'll come up with something better later. They're like, oh, I love that name. I was like, you know, so do I. I don't know why I would, I got to listen to your coach. You scoffed at it and I have been dancing on your grave ever since. <laughs> yep. Anyway, and today's topic is becoming more influential. And first off, why do we want to be more influential? 
Being influential simply means that we are able to have an impact either in our work, our relationships, and being able to be influential is an important quality to have because it really just touches every part of our life. It touches our work life and how we communicate with the people we work with. We have to be able to be influential with our customers. It touches our relationships. It touches our kids. If you're not influential with your children, you're not getting very far with them as far as giving them your pearls of wisdom. Being able to influence or to give somebody another perspective to consider so that they're at their best is really a must-have skill. And you mentioned whatever we're doing. A lot of times when we talk about leadership, we're talking about people reporting to me, right? But a lot of times people are individual contributors. And at some point, if you have people answering to you, you need to be able to influence them. But as salespeople, you also need to be influential. You need to be able to influence the people who you're trying to sell. So almost regardless of the job, whether you're a pure ops person or a pure salesperson or somewhere in between, you need to be able to be influential. Anne's got some, I'm going to count them. We got one, two, three, four, five, six points here. This is six ways we can be more influential. So, Anne, what is the first way we can become more influential? So in the context of logistics, and just stick to that right now, industry knowledge is very, very important for being influential. So basically, it's the idea of you've been around the block a few times, you've experienced a few things, and you're willing to share what you've learned and what you've noticed and what you've done in the past and what you plan to do in the future. But it's this idea of industry knowledge. It's not only the idea of having that industry knowledge, though. It's this idea of being generous with your industry knowledge so that you are a resource. Individuals who are resources tend to have a great deal of influence. If I've been there, I've been doing it for a few years and somebody else comes in and I, rather than look at that new person as a rival, I say, hey, it's my job to help get Ann up to speed. I'm going to be much more influential with you if I'm say, hey, Ann, I want you to succeed. I want me to succeed. I'm going to share what I know. And also, if I'm sharing like articles or coming on podcasts or webinars and sharing what I know and not expecting that everybody who listens, it has to do business with me. Ideally, they should. But we don't live in a perfect world, right? (laughs) Right, right. But the idea that you can gain a lot of industry knowledge and go, oh, I'm going to hold it close to my chest and I'm not going to help anybody, that doesn't make you influential at all. That makes you a loser. (laughs) Joe, we have in the past, we've talked a lot about this idea of expert. People would like to work with experts. Experts do tend to be more influential than non-experts. And so having industry knowledge and being willing to share it actually equals ultimately, and at the end of the day, expertise. And expertise is a great way to be influential. I love it. Sharing that industry knowledge, sharing that expertise, sharing your experience. That's number one. What's number two? Number two is empathy. I'm wondering if anybody is a little bit surprised about why I would put empathy in there and why it would come up so quickly on the list here. Empathy is understanding, walking in somebody else's shoes, walking in the customer's shoes, and also actually empathy towards yourself. So building influence requires empathy on multiple levels. You have to understand 
what the customer is actually going through. For instance, you have to understand perhaps what your team members are going through. If we can take an example of just the pandemic, that has been a time where people have had to really bring their empathy to the table because you've had people at home, they're working with, maybe they've got kids at home or any number of things that have just upended the world and upended the world of work. And if we took a position of, I don't care, just get to work, the capacity to be influential would be directly related to your ability to be empathetic toward the people you're trying to engage. Right. It's interesting when we were talking about this offline, there's an old saying, and I'm probably going to botch it, but I'll try it. Nobody cares what you know unless they know how much you care. We've all been through it where we have a leader who you don't ever quite trust because you kind of think it's all about him, all about her. And you're afraid to show any vulnerability. You're afraid to say, I don't even know how to do that. And sometimes we've all been in that position where you go, I don't want to ask the boss because maybe that's a firing offense. Maybe he's going to say, that's what you were hired to do. How do you not know how to do this, right? When you're fearful of that boss, when you don't think that they care about you, they're never going to be as influential. And the person who bails you out, and we've all been there, that guy or the gal who says, is this your first time doing this? Let me help you out. Shows you the ropes you like, oh my God, you're my forever friend. I'll follow you to the end of earth. We need that empathy. And you said also empathy with ourselves and asked me to read a book, Positive Intelligence. And they talk a lot about that. Empathy is one of the reasons we're so judgmental is because we're judgmental with ourselves. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so it makes it very difficult for us to move ahead because we're beating ourselves up along the way for our shortcomings or for what we don't know or don't understand or whatever. A lack of empathy towards ourselves actually really makes us less influential at the end of the day also, along with lack of empathy for the people that supposedly are working for us or our customer. If you're in sales, empathy is probably the biggest calling card you can bring to the table because you're listening for how you can help. So number one was industry knowledge, sharing that industry knowledge. Number two is empathy. What's number three? Influence is also dependent on your ability to coach other individuals or bring out the best in them. You and I love sports settings. And so we talk a lot about Michigan sports. I brought up this idea that an individual who is influential also knows how to bring out the best in others. And they know how to shift given the personnel that they have. Let's say that you are a football coach and you have a system that you want to run. You're going to run speed and space. And maybe that higher idea of speed and space isn't going to make it because maybe you don't have people that are that fast. You may need to look at who do you have. That's what our Wolverines are supposed to be doing. Didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So an individual's ability to coach people to be at their best, but also see what it is that they actually bring to the table and use it in their system is a huge factor in being influential. Until you recruit those guys, you use who you have. That's correct. And so it's really the ability to coach and develop. I think also help people figure out how they can become successful. And it's not, might not be the same way we're going to be successful. You as a coach, you're influential because after a while, you were able to help me understand where I could do well and where I'm going to have blind spots. And I think 
over time, if you can help people develop and become their best self, obviously they're going to listen to you. When you say, hey, you got time for a suggestion, you go, hell yes, I do. You're the one who helped me get here. So you're helping them figure out how they can be successful. And I love that one because I just did a podcast with our buddy, Steve Elwell, and we talked about this whole idea of making people heroes. We all want to be a hero. When we talk about all these stories like Star Wars, where Yoda, not the hero, he's just the mentor. He's the coach. He's helping Luke become that successful guy. We need to do that with our employees, with our kids, with our spouses, with our customers. Everyone loves the idea of being Luke Skywalker every once in a while, but you've sometimes got to take the role of, let me just be the coach. Let me be behind the scenes helping you reach your potential, which feels great. Let's take an example in logistics. So there's the idea of, let's say you have to make 20 cold calls and you end up absolutely empty. You slither into your supervisor's office and you say, well, I did 20 and nothing happened. Now, one way to handle that would be go make 20 more. Follow the script. What have I told you? Versus tell me about a typical call. What does it look like? Give me an example of what you're doing and let's see if we can tweak and coach through how to do it. So that's where the influence piece comes in is, is that people feel like they could come into you and ask you to coach them through those challenges rather than being judged for having those shortcomings. I started working in the 80s and I remember I worked in some environments that were nothing like these. I can think of a few bosses, though, who really went out of their way, never said, Joe, do you, do you know how to do this? They would just assume I didn't. But they would go, hey, look, I know you know how to do this, but this is the way I do it. And I think about those guys now, even 40 years later, I think that guy was great. The majority of the bosses I had, managers, I was fearful of. I was afraid I would expose myself as an idiot and I would be <laughs> sent home. <laughs> so it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that the old style of uh, leadership and influence was really more about intimidation. You think about Bobby Knight as the Indiana coach. I don't want to offend anybody who loved his days, but he was quite intimidating. That's the old style of getting people to quote unquote, do what you want them to do. But at the end of the day, it's an unsustainable way to be. You know, it's interesting. I mentioned starting work in the 80s. A lot of the people that I worked with, and I'm sure you remember this too, Ann. Oh, sure. Yeah. Some of the early bosses I had fought in World War II or in Korea or even Vietnam. And those guys, they had come from a military background that was a top down. The boss is the boss and you don't question his authority. When you think about the generation after that, the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs, they were much kinder, gentler bosses than the the guys a generation older than them. Anyway, first is industry knowledge. We're going to share that industry knowledge. We're going to be very generous about that. Second, we're going to have empathy for ourselves and for others. Third, we're going to be great coaches. We're going to help develop people. And no one forgets that. When somebody helps you become better, when somebody helps you figure out how to become more successful, you are going to be a great influence over them. So what's another one? We're halfway through the list, Dan. Yes. So another one is bridging the two sides. So a lot of times you have, let's take it in the context of logistics, you've got ops and you have the sales. And you used a great example when we were preparing for this, the way the pricing and everything in logistics changed dramatically. The pandemic price. <laughs> From the pandemic. Yeah. So give that example we were talking about with the $800 trucks and now they're eight. So overnight we had the pandemic hit. We had to move trucks that we're all doing. So maybe I had committed to you, Ann, that I'm going to do that lane for 800 bucks. And now all of a sudden I'm losing money hand over fist and you know it. 
And we're also going to get trucks. They're no longer moving manufactured goods. Now they're moving water and toilet paper, hopefully. You might recognize that, hey, look, Joe's taking it on the chin on this. And maybe say, I'm going to give you some relief on that price. And maybe there's just a recognition that things changed and we have to find something that's a win-win. I know a lot of companies would say, hey, look, we made an agreement. We're going to hold to that price. And that's the deal is the deal. I'm going to lose money hand over fist for the next however long until I go out of business. Another way to look at it, though, is maybe if you can bridge that gap, if I can say, I'm going to get together with the carriers, I'm going to get together with my customers and see what makes sense. That's relationship building. When you say building a bridge, it's relationship building. And I always think you need to build those relationships when you don't need anything. <laughs> the time to build that relationship is not the day, hey, I know we've never talked, but uh, I move a lot of freight for you and now I'm upside down on all of it. <laughs> yeah. And the four points we've talked about so far, and we got two more, is you've talked about industry knowledge. We have to become very knowledgeable. And then just as importantly, we have to share what we know with the community, with our coworkers, with everybody. We got to have empathy for ourselves and others. Got to be able to coach and develop and make people into heroes that they want to become. That'll help you become influential. Then last, we were just talking about bridging the gap. If you can be that guy who can, or the gal who can always kind of get everybody connected, whether it be ops and sales at odds and say, look, I'm going to smooth that. I'm going to be the grease. I'm going to be the peacemaker. That's a good thing. If it's with customers, we want that win-win. And I think we're influenced by people who can make that happen over and over again. That's correct. Yeah, you become very important if you are able to create the bridges that are going to create success for the company. What's the fifth one? What's the fifth thing that we should do to become more influential? Well, this one is an interesting one. Just about everybody can have a hard time with this. The idea of letting things go or being comfortable with being wrong or being able to take criticism and critique let go of our ego. And that's not an easy thing to do. We may think of ourselves as egoless anytime that there's conflict and we have a particular perspective on what we think is right or correct. It's not easy to let go of that, to actually get at the truth. Actually, one of my favorite topics is actually about being wrong. I've read three or four books on the nature of being wrong. And my gosh, we are wrong more than we're right, believe it or not. But being right somehow tends to be connected with our ego, and sometimes we will push ahead with a mindset or a truth that isn't of any value, but we can't let go of it. Being able to let go of your ego or let go of this idea that you have to be right has a tremendous impact on influence. And the old style leader was that guy or that gal who knew everything. And I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it because I know exactly how to do it. And with the pace of change, the way it is, what I absolutely positively knew was the case for many years might be different today. And if I take that as a hit to my identity that I didn't know and somebody else did and now I'm hurt, that's really not useful. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned being right or wrong. Now politics has become so crazy that way. Neither side wanting to back down. And you suggest a book that I read about that being bipartisan. And how do we have bipartisan solutions? By the way, that's the best book I've read lately. And it was called The Politics Industry. I may have put a link in the notes. But what was so great about is the idea that, look, I'm not right. You're not right. Somewhere in there, let's just come up with a way. Even if I know I'm 100% right and I'm working with you, and I value our relationship, doesn't it make sense that I go, even though I know Anne's 100% wrong and I'm 100% right, I'll let her influence in here because 
I want to preserve this relationship. There's some sense to this. That's what being bipartisan is. That's what negotiating is. And I would say in politics, most of the things that people just act as if there's no middle ground, it's my way or the other way, there is tons of middle ground. We have to get better at this one. And I swear this is a paradigm shift because old time leaders were supposed to know everything. The leaders you trust today are the ones who go, okay, everybody, let's come together. What's going on out there? (laughs) Yeah, no, the old time leader would consider it suicide to admit they didn't know. They would pretend to know. (laughs) They would pretend to know, but it would be like, the last thing I want to be is somebody who doesn't know. And the truth of the matter is, as I said, we are often more incorrect than we are correct. And that's just the nature of the human mind. Brain science will play that out, that we believe we're right most of the time. Being open to the possibility that you're only partially right or somebody else might be a little more right really, really builds your opportunity to be influential. So actually being open to the possibility that you might need new information from somebody else because you may be not fully correct on something is actually a very strong point of influence. We did a webinar a few years ago on how people make irrational buying decisions. They make them because I trust Anne. I trust Anne. I like Anne. She's influential over me. Maybe Anne sold the best product, but I didn't buy for that reason. Later on, I justified it by saying, sure, she was the best service provider. But the real reason I bought from you is I know you, I like you, I trust you. And keep referencing Steve Elwell, but he said the other day to me, humans aren't thinking machines that feel. We're feeling machines that think. And so we do so many things with feeling. And so this idea of ego, when you go, oh, I know everything, I know everything, and I'm all knowing, and I I have to share that, that's a dated way of being a leader. So you want to let go of that ego, be open to new ideas. And that's interesting because somebody would say, well, it wasn't your first point about being an expert. Wasn't that our first point? You want to be an expert. You want to be an industry, have industry knowledge. There's a difference between industry knowledge and industry experience and the idea that you're right all the time. But and I look at you as an expert in the brain science. When you graduated from University of Michigan way back in the day, well, not so long ago, I shouldn't say. A day or two ago, yeah. <laughs> there was things that you absolutely knew that now you have new thinking on. And that's exactly right. You have to understand how things evolve. And that's tough because sometimes you got to let go of stuff you thought for sure was true. So having influence is being willing to update your knowledge and understand what used to be true may not be true. I'm updating my website. So I had to, my website guy, Matt Collins over at Sunant said, you got to go back and recategorize all these articles and stuff that you wrote. And so it's going back, like, you know, I'm looking through things from 2011 and 12, 13, 14. I was like, oh God, I'm putting this in draft status because it's too stupid to be out there. Now. It's too stupid. It's too <laughs> stupid to get any airtime. <laughs> I love it. But it's true. It is true. Yes, absolutely. You evolve. You evolve. You evolve or you dissolve. If you have an ego that doesn't allow you to take in new perspectives, take in new ideas, take in criticism, you're doomed. Because again, everything's moving so damn fast. <laughs> Things I might have said two or three years ago, I go, what was I thinking? So we've talked about five points. What's the last one? I'm sorry, this is the sixth one. Yeah, the sixth one is effective communication, which actually is something that weaves through all of it. As you are sharing industry knowledge, you know, how are you sharing that knowledge? Are you sharing it? Look at me, I know, or are you saying, let me kind of tell you what I've learned and see if that's useful to you. So there's ways in which you can share, for instance, industry knowledge. 
empathy is how are you phrasing things with people that demonstrates that you understand what's going on with them? Are you able to talk to people in a way that demonstrates empathy? It's often a practiced skill. And I think also when we talk about effective communication, we all think of verbal communication, but we're also doing a lot of emails. We're also sending text now. I think people who are my age who didn't grow up with texting, initially when it first was about, it was like, oh my God, I hate people sending these texts when they should have sent an email or, and then there's online stuff. We have to be appropriate with whatever communication. So if I'm calling to say, and your shipment is late, it's not going to be there. And I know that's a problem. That's a phone call. If it's just, and just clarifying, it'll be there later today. That's a text or an email. So knowing how to be good at communication is important. There's people who are real quiet. And I always remember this friend of mine saying of a young lady said, oh, I I think she's stuck up. And she wasn't. She was just quiet. She was a good friend of family. And I was like, no, no, that's the last thing she is. But since she was quiet, people started kind of making assumptions. And I thought, that's what happens if you're not a good communicator. People like me who communicate too much, we have another problem, which is people stop listening. So you have to be careful with that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all part of it as well. So the communication weaves its way through everything that all these other points, the empathy, the ability to coach somebody. Sometimes you have to know how much to say or how you're going to say it so that you can create engagement rather than defensiveness. Communication, when you bridge two sides, how are you going to describe something that's not going well in a way that you're going to get some sort of problem-solving mindset going rather than anger and eruption of negative outcomes. And then let me summarize this. And then I want to get your final thoughts on these. Yes. We want to become more influential in our worlds, right? And that's at home and our relationships, our business relationships with customers and with our coworkers. So it's a good thing. And I think it kind of goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, is this is to be influential in a positive way. We're not trying to be influential in a negative way where we're trying to manipulate. Right. Influence is not manipulation. Let's just put that out there right now. It's influence is not manipulation. It's all about being positive. So to be more influential, first off, become an expert, share that knowledge. Secondly, have empathy for yourself and others. Third is this idea of coaching and developing others, helping them figure out how they can be successful. Then this idea of bridging the gaps and building relationships. You always will be more influential with people who you have relationships with. And then letting go of our ever-present ego. Be open to new ideas. You don't always have to be right. If you always have to be right, you're not being very influential. You're being a pain in the ass. (laughs) Yeah, stubborn. (laughs) Right. And then the last but not least is effective communication, which kind of runs through all of this. So, Anne, what are your final thoughts on this topic? Well, my final thoughts are this. All of these particular skill sets, ones that you can learn, they're trainable, they're coachable. Oftentimes, when individuals are put into a position of influence, sometimes they don't have some of these skills developed. You know, maybe they've been promoted because they're really good at something. They understand something really well or they've got a certain skill level. That is often not enough. The people skills, the skills of influence are what are going to really make you powerful in positions of influence. These are skills that can be trained. They should be trained when people are being moved into positions of influence. It would be really helpful to to do a little bit of coaching and make sure that individual has these kinds of skills shored up. 
my final thought is, is these things are very, very important. You may not have them because you may not have had that opportunity. You may have been somewhere in the company where you haven't had to do some of these things. You want to be able to offer somebody those training opportunities. You said earlier on is self-awareness is just going over these with you both when we're prepping and then during the podcast. It occurs to me, oh yeah, that's good. I should write these down. I should be a little better at all of these. I mean, we, there's always room for improvement. So Anne, thank you so much for going over this. Before we close this thing out, what's new with you and um, annhome.net? I had mentioned, I think, in our last podcast that I've been writing a book that is about brain science, brain bandwidth, and we're like a month away for it to be handed in to the publisher. So that's kind of an exciting thing. Do you have a title yet? A Brain and Bandwidth. Brain and Bandwidth. It's basically this idea that there are things that we do that allow us to think clearly, make good decisions, etc. And then there's things that we do that just break, basically drain our bandwidth. You've heard the term, I don't have the bandwidth for this. This book is actually very much a how-to on how to improve that bandwidth. And there's some interesting thoughts in the book. So when will this publish? It's handed into the publisher on June 1st. So I'm going to say probably by the end of the summer. No doubt there'll be some sort of editing. No doubt I'll have to check my ego at the door and suck it up and make my changes. <laughs> is Jane your co-author? Yep. Jane Kesey is my co-author. So, And she's written some other books too, right? Yeah. She's written over 20 of them. So I told her, I said, hey, when we hand it in, that's it, right? Said, oh, no, it comes back from the editor. I'm like, oh. Really? <laughs> oh, my. That's where you'll check your ego. That's right. You, but you have to because what's obvious to you is obvious to you. That's it. All the rest of it, you've got to be open for that feedback to get the very best product, to have the most influence. Ultimately, this book, I hope, will have some influence with people. But if I haven't checked my ego at the door and taken the feedback, it'll probably be less influential. Tell us who you serve over there at annhome.net. I serve mainly logistics people, but I also serve others who are trying to be at their best. I'm always about helping people uncover their potential and not only do that, but enjoy themselves while they're doing it. Lots of logistics people, but anybody who's willing to shore up some of these things like how to be more influential, et cetera, I'll take you. Yeah, I, both my daughters saw Anne and I've recommended many, many people over time. And my daughters to this day now walk around and talk about personality type, the different ones. And what's interesting is it was useful for me when you did their personality types and then said, here's where their strengths are. I think that was really great for them to hear that. And then here's where their blind spots are. It was good for me to hear because you tend to develop people as if they're like you. <laughs> and my kids are kind of like me, of course, but, you know, fortunately for them, not too much. That's exactly right. No, and it is true. It is this, the idea of what's obvious to you is obvious to you. Developmentally, you have to make some of those changes. Anne's worked with a lot of young people, in, including your own. So <laughs> I love the work. I love the work. Anyway, Anne, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your a LinkedIn profile and a link to your website and home.net. Next time, we'll put a link to your book. Absolutely. And consultations are free. So if you have something you want to chew on, talk about, consultations are free. You can book them right on my website. Hallelujah. And thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all this today. Okay. Happy to be here. Bye-bye. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 